All right. Welcome, everybody. How's it going in the world? Vin, are you alive out there? It's fabulous here. It's starting to get warm, finally. I know. It's really, really nice. Really nice here. This is all I wore today. Sam, can you hear me now? Sam panics every week that he's lost the sound. <laughs> but uh, Sam, can you hear me? Oh no. What happened? Where's Sam? I'm just having a chuckle. All right, thank, thank goodness. Remember, 12.05, we, we allow that five minute window. So, um, so anyway, welcome everybody. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about music theory um, for bagpipers today. But uh, if I'm being perfectly honest, I have a definite agenda, which is I kind of want to explain what's going on with our all-new Composition Club course. And what's interesting is, Vin, you emailed me uh, this week to, to ask me what this is all about. So. I mean, why don't we start? Why don't you and I have a little conversation? Sure. <laughs> what do you say? So, what do you what do you need to know here? Well, I guess you know. I mean, one of the things that I wonder is that um, how much beyond your sort of normal music theory knowledge that you can get out in the world will this thing give you? You know, say it's a composition club. So, what is it expected to sort of give me as I'm sort of going through the month by month lessons or videos? Um, yeah, that I couldn't get elsewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a great question. Hang on one second. I got to turn off yeah, this. Yeah, I know. Sorry, I was hearing an echo there. Um, well, so that's a good question. So here's what we've done, right? Is we have um, launched a composition club, which is basically it's very similar to the courses that we've done except for the content that, we're, that we have to handle in this course is so far in depth. And, um, and each step along the way re requires uh, or should require a little bit of study before you move on to the next step. Like, don't get me wrong, you can watch through everything and learn a whole lot. But what we really want people to do is, um, and what we're going to do in our composition club is actually a six-month project. Um, <clears throat> where um, the first month we talk all about music theory. And then by the second month, we're going to start composing bagpipe tunes. And the third month, which is probably going to be like um, tons and tons of awesome content and lots of stuff to think about, is we're going to dive into all about writing harmonies for bagpipe tunes, which as you know, Vin, and many of you out there know as well, that's sort of my wheelhouse as a... Um, music composition major in college. So I've done a lot of interesting compositional stuff. And, and an important component in, uh, you know, in pipe bands these days over the last yeah, like, 15 years or so. They are like a feature of, of medleys you know, in all bands now. Yep, exactly. And I think that the era of, the era of subpar harmony writing, uh, which is rampant, but that era is is rapidly moving to a close, and I think bands have to uh, have to arrange things more musically than they were um, a while ago. And Vin, they want you to turn your microphone up. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I that I wonder, like you know, I do a lot of sort of poking through old music manuscripts and old Scottish music collections and things like that, and you know, and I'm arranging music, you know, for, you know, for small tunes up on Pipe Hacker as well as just stuff, you know, for myself. And, uh, you know, I always run into difficulty every now and then when I'm trying to, especially when I'm transposing tunes from other instruments, right, from fiddle or something like that. You know, I, my, I run, run up against the limitations of my own music theory knowledge, you know, and I, and I, and I run into difficulty when trying to, you know, sort of set these tunes with pipes and um, it's, it becomes a frustrating endeavor sometimes. Yeah. Well, let me show you. Um, let me show you what we've done. Let, let me show you what it's going to look like here. Um, after, and then let me get it all queued up here as well. Um, just because. Uh, let's see. I'm going to get it all queued up, and then I'll share my screen with you. 
um, to show you what the course looks like. Let's see the pages where I need to go. I thought this is where I needed to go. Um, All right, so let me see if I can share my screen. Uh, let's see. That should work. One of the things, one of the things I think about that's cool about this, really, is that is the fact that you know it's it's surprising how little of it has existed up till now you know out in the world you know in terms of like bagpipes you know every now and again if you went to a workshop which there are many you know worldwide you might get like a composition class right with somebody notable or you might get you know uh, a harmony writing or music theory type class but even you know in this day and age is 2015 right there's surprisingly very little education content in a lot of these formats that that delve into this, you know, and, and, well, like and that's said, what I want so to do important now, you know, and it's really, and it's something that everybody needs to really get their head around. So it's, a, uh, it's well, long overdue. In other words. Um, so are you guys seeing uh, my screen here? Welcome to the composing club. Yep. Why does it, you are seeing it. But now I don't hear Vin. Andrew's tuning bolt. That's worth the price right there. <laughs> oh, okay, now I hear Vin again. Vin, are you hearing me right now? Yeah, I'm hearing everything. Okay, so yeah, here we are, Composition Club. And um, yeah, so there's a couple of different things. So obviously an introduction. And the first month is we talk about essential theory and chord progressions. And then what we do with the course is, after 30 days, after you purchase access to the course, uh, another module will show up here with month two in there, where we talk in depth about learning tunes. So you can see in month one, for example, uh, we've got videos uh, that go through the essential theory that we need to go through. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're actually going to preview some of it today, which is going to be kind of cool. Uh, but that's what's going on there. And then, and then there's a bunch of bonuses too. Yeah, like I'm, this is where instead of, you know, I'm not going to be a guy that publishes like three volumes of music books. Um, I think instead um, I'm just going to let everybody that's a member of our composition club access all of the stuff that I've ever done. And I'm continually building this here, but... It's sort of split out into the different things. You've got like the hourglass suite is all here with the different parts separated out because people ask me about that all the time. Some different suites, um, some of the SFU tunes that we did, um, and some cool recordings too. Like some of, the, some of the early stuff, like when we initially pitched the air in B minor um, to Terry, this is the actual audio that we used, um, which I think is really cool. It's kind of nostalgic. Um, but uh, it's kind of kind of cool, and so I'm I'm working on developing that, um, and then some other key bonuses. And Vin, you're actually featured in a picture here. I know, I, I don't see know that. If you can see that. <laughs> Just our little thing. And then one of the things that, as we start to attain more members of the composing club, is that there's a private Facebook group as well, where people can log in, um, ask questions about um, you know bagpipe compositional and creative matters, and um, you know, all the different members of the group will be able to contribute. And I'm also going to gradually work on trying to get some of the more famous bagpipe composers in the world to moderate the group. It's some, something that I'm kind of working on that should be happening over the next few months, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I think that's one of the important features, too. Like, if you're going to be delving into composition, you know, feedback is, like, one of the most important aspects of any kind of development of any, you know, you need some knowledgeable people sort of giving you some, you know, criticism, feedback. Do they like it? <laughs> you know, you know, does, does it make their, their nose squinch up or something like, you know, you need that kind of, um, that kind of, uh, that kind of information to help you develop as, as a composer, really. 
I think, and it's and it's missing really from from bagpiping. I mean, a lot of the people compose tunes and they just sort of throw them out there, and you know, no one ever plays them. Exposure is you know a a limited thing when it comes to that kind of stuff, and I think anything that exposes and develops that kind of area, that realm, yeah, is is a good thing. You know? Yeah, Ashby, that's a great question. Will it be over the head of a green beginner? Um, I think that uh, we certainly want to encourage people of all levels to um, to take the course. I think there's like, you know, for Ashby, I think for example, I think you would get a lot out of it. Um, you're you're not completely green. Uh, you're somewhat ripened as a beginner, and so I think you could get something out of it. I, and you're also the type of person that just you know loves to think about bagpipe stuff a lot. It's just uh, we recommend that. Uh, people have, you know, developed some ability to play tunes on the bagpipes before they invest in the course, um, just because you don't need to worry about writing harmonies for tunes before you know how to play a proper D throw or something, if that makes sense. So, so as long as you have a little bit of experience playing some tunes, the course might be good. Although Ashby, for you, I mean, you're also in the phase where you're working to make the band and stuff. And it might just be an investment that's uh, maybe a few months down the road. And the cool thing is, um, the cool thing is you can join the club at any time. Um, and, um, you know, so you can join next year at this time and you'll still go through the same program. We'll have it all, all ready for you. Um, so. I think, I think, you know, the sort of the club aspect, you know, the community aspect is like a cool thing. You know, I, I, don't, I just think that more, anything that encourages more sort of creativity that way. In, in piping and music yeah, in I'm a member of a couple of, I'm a member of a couple of well-constructed Facebook groups pertaining to my interests, and they're really, really cool. Um, and, and they're exclusive as well. And that's what our group is going to be like. And um, as we start to move people through the program, that's what, that's what we're going to do. I think, you know, and speaking to Ashby's question, I, I think, you know, even if you are a beginner and you have some knowledge, you know, I think knowing more about this kind of thing just increases your understanding and can actually help you develop faster, mm -hmm. maybe, you know. I think it's, uh, you know, because a lot of it's pretty obscure. As you go into bagpipe music, it's it's all kind of arcane and, you know, you have a hard time sort of, it's a hard time sinking in because it has any, doesn't have any context. You know, if you learn more about the musical sort of uh, theory behind everything that you're doing, you know, it kind of makes sense faster, mm -hmm. you know. And it's not hard, right? Um, I mean, it's not hard. It just takes a little bit of time to learn it all. I, th I think that's part of the problem. It's like you take a problem like you have, Vin, where you look at a piece of fiddle music and you want to transcribe it for the pipes. Um, that's actually quite doable, but it requires a couple of phases of learning. It's going to take a little bit of time. Uh, and that's what, that's what uh, our course is all about. It's like, let's just learn the essential theory that we need to have. And it takes a little, you know, it takes, I think it should take about a month to investigate into that, which is why it's the first part of our club. Let's investigate just the basic theory that we need to know, um, which includes understanding the piano a little bit and understanding chords and chord progressions um, enough to just have a good idea of what's actually going on. And then suddenly... Uh, composing tunes and tunes that actually sound good is just a matter of putting pen to paper and um, experimenting and having having a good time. Uh, and then uh, same same with writing harmonies. Well, once we have some basic theory, we've written a few basic melodies and tunes, and we have our feet wet. Well, writing harmonies is just sort of a logical next step that's actually really easy, but you do have to have that foundation. And most pipers don't have that, um, have that foundation. And um, I thought we would go into that a little bit today. Um, let's, go, let's go back to the first, let's go back to the first thing. How many people here, there's 43 people, how many people could play the bagpipe scale on the piano? Um, you know, you don't have to be a, you know, you don't have to be able to do it at light speed, but how many people here think, they could play the bagpipe scale on the piano without having to think much about it. And by the way, don't be a, don't be afraid to just say that you don't know because it's very very common. And I'll actually show you how to do that today. Yes, yes, no, no, yes, no, yes. Julia could on the trumpet or baritone. Okay. 
no, 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 no. No. You never forget. Yeah. Forty years of learning. Well, I, yeah, I'm going to show you how to figure it out. I'm going to show you how to figure it out today, and it's just an example of something that's really good to know. Let's start by doing this. Here's the first thing we need to do: is somebody start by listing the notes of the bagpipe scale for me. What are the actual notes that bagpipers play? A lot of people think bagpipes are somehow different than regular music, and it's not actually true. We just have to dispel a couple of myths and things people sometimes don't know. Okay, so Don, thank you for falling into my trap. So Don says, G, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and A. So Don, that's not correct. And John McCain is correct. Ron is incorrect. And ooh, Raul, thank you for saying that. I only want to play bagpipes. And that's totally fine. And I don't blame you. I don't play the piano either, at least not very well. Um, but this is simply... Um, why I'm asking about the piano is the piano is sort of the mothership instrument for all Western music. Okay? Uh, only one, you know, it's sort of the mothership. And so if we can understand the piano, it, it, it gives us almost like a language to talk about music theory and, and to visualize it easily. Okay? And so uh, other than that, I'll ask you to take my word for it. Okay. So here's the, here are the actual notes, and uh, John McCain um, had this before, but the actual notes, by the way, that, that text up there at the top is the link to the composition course if people are interested. But the actual notes that we play, okay, are uh, A, B, C sharp, and that little hashtag we call hashtags uh, are actually the symbol we use to make a sharp. Okay, C sharp, D, E, F sharp, G, and A. Now, I skipped the G below the A because this is our primary scale. And uh, for music theory purposes, right, we do have a G there. Um, but that's actually, I think of that as sort of the minus one note. It's one below the primary octave that we use uh, to create music. Okay, now, you might be saying, uh, why... Why is it called C-sharp and F-sharp? Okay, And this is one of the areas where we kind of need to know this stuff in order for us to be able to create any sort of bagpipe music and expect it to sound good. Okay, C-sharp and F-sharp. Now, uh, let's keep this in mind, and I'm going to explain this a little bit more as we go. So I have... And you don't even need a piano to explore the piano. I have an iPad, and every iPad now comes with GarageBand. I'm going to try and get this so the glare is not so bad. Just need to tilt it maybe that way. Okay. So, uh, you know, all of these iDevices now come with pianos. Can you guys hear that at all? Right? And so I've got a piano on here. And um, let's start by learning how to identify notes on the piano. Um, does anybody know, like, what's the first thing you want to do when you see a piano? Good. Pretend, or, pretend I'm Stevie yeah, Wonder. <laughs> right. You guys are totally right about that. So Tony and Les. We're going to find middle C. Well, for our purposes, uh, I'm not that worried about middle C, but let's find a C of any kind. Okay, and the way to find C is it's going to be the note to the left of the two black keys, of the group of two black keys. So we can see here, that is C. Okay, now the thing that makes C cool is it allows us to identify all the other white notes. So the other white notes here, whoops, pardon me there. The other white notes are pretty simple. The next white note up is going to be D, E, F, G, A, 
right? After G in music, we always go back to A. So that's what that is. Then we have B, and then we go back to C, okay, at the end. So we can do this again down here. Here's another version of C to the left of the two black keys. And on these, uh, uh, on these Apple devices, they actually just write the letter C on it, which is helpful. C, D, E, F, G, A, B, and C. Okay? Now, bagpipe, bagpipers don't start on C, do we? What note do we start on? What's the base note of our scale? Yep, it is not low G, right? Low G is the lowest note of our scale, but it's not the bass note. Exactly. A is the bass note. And, you know, a great way of thinking about that is what note do we tune our drones to? Right? We tune our drones to A. That's just sort of a cold, hard proof that A is actually um, the root note of our scale. So where's A on the piano? Well, here's my C. If I just back it down, here's B. And then this is what A looks like on a piano. Okay? Now, Don, I'm using you as a guinea pig because I know you're a good sport. Don said the bagpipe scale is uh, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, A. That's what Don said. Well, let's listen to that and tell me if it sounds like the bagpipe scale to you. Okay, here I go. That sound like a bagpipe scale? It sounds kind of cool, but it doesn't sound like a bagpipe scale. What we actually do, what bagpipers actually do is we change our C to a C sharp, which is the black key just above C. Okay? And then we also do the same thing with the F. We don't play the white F, we play the F sharp. Okay? So listen to what happens when I change the scale to include those black notes instead of the white ones. And that is the bagpipe scale. And if you wait on just one second, I'll grab my practice channel. And um, you can hear it's sort of the same. Right? And then the piano might not be exactly tuned the same, but we have the same. Okay? We have the same scale. So does everybody at least sort of see how I was able to translate the bagpipe scale to the piano? And in our course, we, we actually go into full depth and we talk about exactly why we use C-sharp and F-sharp and how that pertains to the real world of music. Okay. Now, the interesting thing about the piano is it can teach us a lot of stuff about music, right? And it's like an easy diagram. Um, I've been playing a lot of chess lately, and chess is a great game because all of the problems are so easily diagrammed on the chessboard. Um, and the piano is kind of like the musician's chessboard. It's how we're going to diagram and it's how we're going to picture different musical problems. Okay? Like, what are some examples of musical problems? Well, um, Vin, uh, Vin's example of looking at a tune that's in a different key. Okay, well, we can say, all right, here's what the scale looks like in, the, in the, uh, the key that the fiddle is using, okay, how do we translate that to what the bagpipe does? And you can quite literally just transpose it down uh, to the bass note for the bagpiper. So let's, see, let's say the fiddle plays a nice tune in the key of D. We can literally shift things down into the key of A, but we have to be careful that um, we use the same intervals throughout the music, which is kind of the tricky part. Um, but that's a little something about the piano. Um, one of the next big things, now that we have a piano, is 
Uh, we start to talk about scales, how scales are made, and then what sort of chords can be used um, to create music. Um, and we talk about that quite a bit. So what questions do we have so far? Anything? It's perfect sense to it. So if I had to play with a piano or organ, how would you explain it? That's a great question. Uh, and basically, if you had a bagpipe, um, if you had a bagpipe that was perfectly tuned to concert pitch, um, which they do sell chanters that will tune all the way to concert pitch, um, then you would simply, you could simply hand them a piece of bagpipe music you might want to diagram what chords that a piece of music uses. Um, concert pitch being 440A. So A would need to equal 440. Yeah, and Mark, Mark brings up a really good question. It's a little bit more advanced than what we're going to be able to do today, but is it possible for us to play a G sharp on the low G? Well, uh, it's, that is not how the bagpipe chanter is engineered. And that's why, that's why it's said that we play in an A mixolydian scale as opposed to a classic A major scale because the seventh degree of our scale um, is flat. However, that gives us some opportunities that that gives us some opportunities that a classic A uh, major scale would not have. Like we can, we can actually play a G major chord. We can play an E minor chord, right? So it, it's a restriction in some ways, but it's also liberating in some ways. Yeah, and then so when it comes to tuning to other instruments, um, it's a little bit tricky, but basically, the first thing to think about is if the bagpipe was in perfect concert pitch, it wouldn't be hard to play with any other instrument at all. However, the challenge for us is our low A does not tune to concert low A. It's actually uh, typically a low A will tune a semitone and a half higher than concert pitch. So we can either work to transpose things, or in the world of um, guitars, right, we simply ask the guitarist to tune up a semitone and a half. You could do that a couple of different ways. Usually I recommend using a capo on the second fret and actually tuning down about half a semitone. But it's all basic music theory, right? This stuff, when it comes into play, it's, it can be really effective, I think, you know, when people have a full understanding of this. I mean, last this Saturday was, that, uh, or Friday, was this um, big music society concert at Piping Center. And uh, there was, you know, a couple of pieces, and Murray Henderson played one. He played a cover fake bra with, and it was, you know, it was great. I mean, if, again, you, if there was any doubt that bagpipes could fit with sort of an orchestra or a, you know, sort of quartet or anything like that, it was dashed <laughs> with this with that with that piece you know so it's it's definitely possible if, if you know what you're doing and when you have people knowledgeable in music theory i mean it's become something it's easy you know, it's yeah. easy yeah mm -hmm. it's very easy and especially if yeah if you have small pipes that are in concert pitch it makes things really easy um and then and then even if you don't right if you if you carefully tune things um, it's really easy as well. You just have to get to the point where you're speaking the same language. Um, so uh, Ashby is asking what a semitone is. That's a good question. Um, again, it's sort of like if you use the keyboard here, right? Uh, a semitone is simply one degree of a scale. So if you look at the C, right, and then we were to play every key, Right, every every piano key on the way up, you, you would notice there are 12 steps 
of what we call a chromatic scale. And a semitone is just one of these little mini steps. Okay? And then um, what's called a tone is when we go two mini steps. So a semitone is a single step up, and a tone is two steps up. So we can say, if you look at, let's say, a C scale, like I showed you before, a C scale, uh, from here to here is a tone, because there's a black key in between. So we have tone, tone. Now it's only one step to the next key, so that's a semitone. Uh, tone, 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 semitone. And that is the combination that we use to make a major scale. Okay? So from here, we go tone, tone, semitone, tone, 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 semitone. Sorry. Yeah, semitone. And that's how we make a major scale. Uh, and we go, we go into that in some depth in month one of the composition course. We talk about exactly how scales are made. And then we talk about how chords are made um, by combining different scale degrees together. Yeah, and a mixolydian scale uh, pattern is actually tone, tone, semitone, tone, tone, semitone, tone. It's a slightly different combination of tones and semitones that gives us the bagpipe scale. Um, and you can figure all of that out, right? You can figure all of that out with a little bit of logic. That's the cool thing about music theory is um, it all makes logical sense at the end of the day. You just kind of have to uh, decode it a little bit and learn to understand the language of it. Okay, uh, we had some questions. So how would it work if you were to play harmonies along with a piano on the bagpipes? Where would a pianist play? Well, like I said, if the, um, like I said before, right, if the bagpipes were at concert pitch, the piano could play the exact same notes we play. Okay, so th think about that. And then, um, yeah, and then the reality is, if you're actually playing a real piano, there's no way it will tune with the bagpipes. Just not going to happen, right? Because we live somewhere in between a B flat and a B. Um, whoop, cat attack. Yep. However, a great way to work around that is most decent digital pianos now have the ability to change the intonation of your tuning. So what we'll do is we'll actually take uh, the piano and we'll crank it up a semitone and a half so that A on the piano equals A on the bagpipes, and then you can play along exactly with a digital piano. That's how we work with that. And then uh, harmonization there, Rohan, okay? Um, it, harmony, creating successful harmony has nothing to do with two notes up or two notes down. Uh, and that's one of the big, big things that we need to learn. Writing successful harmonies has to do with understanding chords and chord progressions. Um, and that's kind of a big topic that I don't think we can cover in today's class. Uh, but in order to harmonize, right, we need to play a different member of the current chord that we're in. So I can give you a brief explanation, right? Uh, let's take, um, let me share a little bit of Scott. Let's share Scott and the Brave here. Um, let's see. Let's see. Now we need to study a little bit uh, to actually learn how to do this on your own, but I'll, sh I'll give you an example. Scotland the Brave is one of those tunes where it's very hard to write good harmonies for this tune unless you know what you're doing. And then meanwhile, if you know what you're doing, it's actually really easy. Okay? But let's take Scotland the Brave. Now, I can tell you 
that Scott and the Brave is in the key of A major. Okay, and uh, just a quick just a quick summary of how I know that. Okay, is that the tune opens up um, with a phrase that features the notes of an A major chord almost exclusively. So anybody here know their chords? What are the members of an A major chord? Like I know John McCain, you're out there. Good. A, C, E is only sort of correct. Billy, I like your answer better. A, C sharp, and E. Yep. Now, if we're just talking to bagpipers, you can abbreviate it to A, C, and E. Right? You can, but I like to try to be specific when I'm talking about harmonies here. Now, check out how the opening phrase of Scott and the Brave features almost exclusively A's, C sharps, and E's. A, A. There is a B here, but look, it's a very tiny note. And we have C, we have A again, C sharp, E, A, 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 E, C sharp, and A. Okay, now, if I were to play along with a piano here, and I wanted to harmonize with somebody else playing this melody, I would select notes, I would select a note that was a member of the A major chord to play over top. Okay, so in this particular passage, I could play A, C, or E pretty much wherever I want, and as long as it's not the same as the melody, it'll harmonize nicely. So, Rohan, does that make sense? Now, unfortunately for us, or fortunately, depending on whether or not you know what you're doing, Okay, good. I'm glad that makes sense. Now, depending on how you look at it, it gets tricky, uh, which is it, we don't stay on this chord forever. As a matter of fact, we journey to different chords throughout any piece of music, and that's what makes it interesting. So after this A major chord, we actually journey to a D major chord very briefly, um, and then we briefly go, uh, that's what this is, a D major chord, will have Ds and Fs. Okay. And then looks like we go back to A major temporarily. And then we talk about how to predict what's actually going on next, because it's a little bit tricky um, in bagpipe speak when we play in A major, but we talk about that in some depth here. Uh, but anyway, in order to successfully harmonize, we need to start by knowing what pitches will work. So uh, going back to Rohan's question too, here we are, we're in the key of A major here. And we go up to this high A. Now, if I play two notes down from this high A, what note is that? Right. Two notes down from high A is F sharp. Now, is F sharp a member of the A major chord? Right. It is not a member of the chord. So the two notes up or down rule does not work. just doesn't. Right? And that's why if you play F sharp in that position, playing harmony, it sounds really gross because F sharp is actually strongly discordant if you play F-sharp uh, over top of an E. So F-sharp does not work in that scenario. Just like a B would not work in this scenario. And actually, it might work in that scenario, but that's advanced theory. But that's a great one. That's a great myth. It's also why the harmonies for Green Hills are terrible. Right, you know the the harmony. Is that the those harmonies are they follow the two note down rule, uh, and just completely disregard the basics of music theory. But anyway, not understanding theory is why you seldom hear harmonies played in Scott and the Brave. 
at least not very good ones. It's also why the harmonies for Green Hills sound terrible. Um, and uh, it's because the two notes up and down rule does not work. And, and hey, you know the interesting thing, uh, for those who are like, man, I feel dumb now that I fell for the two note up and down rule. Well, I, um, I, was, I was that guy for years when I was younger and trying to horse around playing harmonies. Why the heck doesn't this sound good? It doesn't work. What the heck is up with that? And then only later did I discover um, that chords and chord progressions are what would actually be able to create nice sounding harmonies. And from there, the sky's the limit. Um, and then Billy was talking about passing tones. Well, there's a whole bunch. Now that we know, know the basics of harmony writing, then, uh, which is what we're going to do in month three of our course, uh, once you know the basics of harmony writing, there are a million different tactics or strategies you can use when you write harmonies to actually elevate, elevate things to a whole different level. Like one of my own personal rules of harmony writing is uh, my objective, which doesn't always succeed, but my objective is I actually try to make my harmonies um, sound as if they could be their own tune without the primary um, melody being there. And that's kind of a tough challenge. But, you know, for example, in the beginning of Scott and the Brave, I have three possible notes I could play there, right? to harmonize with that low A. What are the three notes? I have C sharp, I have E, and then I also have a high A, which would sound perfectly nice, right? And, and in each different note of this music, I have a variety of different notes I can use to harmonize. And what I try to do is solve the puzzle such that I can actually make sort of like its own little tune out of just using the harmony notes. And what that does is you, you'll actually, instead of just ha having notes that harmonize, you actually have a harmony line or a harmony tune that coexists with Scott and the Brave. And that's one of the reasons my writing is so successful and so musical, is that uh, the harmonies really flow off the fingers. and They're carefully conceived so that there's a whole new, it, it doesn't just add harmony to a tune, it actually elevates the whole thing to become a whole new uh, super expressive entity. And that's, that's what we're going to do in the Composition Club is I'm going to walk you through everything that you need, um, all the tools that you need in order to start to create your own stuff. One of the, one of the, the funniest things is, you know, it's even today you get this, like, you know, people, you know, and like you said, that you, I was the two-note guy too for a long time. And, You'll even in the last say decade or so, you still have people, you know, in pipe bands, at least around here, who will insist, you know, that harmony should be a certain way when empirical proof exists the minute you pop in a world CD. So you just like have to listen to some of these bands and the harmonies and the and the and the, the sort of the you know the counterpoint melodies are creating bust open any kind of rule you're setting for yourself, any kind of limit you're putting on whatever it is you're doing. So even in the face of actual proof, people still stick to these kinds of these kinds of this kind of dogma, you know, which you know yep. it's, it's sort of limiting musically. You know, you need to sort of branch out. I mean, when when you have bands at the top level sort of basically saying, "No, that's not going to work. We're going to do it this way," you know, and it works. You know, you need to sort of pay attention. It definitely works. It definitely works. I mean, I'm a I'm a sort of generation two pioneer, I think, of what's possible. Uh, of what's possible by applying basic music theory uh, to bagpipes. And by basic, I mean basic. Like, I was the class, uh, I was the class Dumbo uh, in music school because my only background was bagpipe stuff, right? And um, so I, I'm not talking about advanced music theory here. I'm talking about the basics, like just absolute basic tools that we can use um, and you can supercharge what's possible um, with pipe bands. And um, luckily, um, you know, I was fortunate to have a very receptive group, um, and Terry Lee was always very receptive to trying things. And so we actually got to experiment with uh, different ideas 
um, in, in a very, very high level way. You know, the other thing that makes harmonies sound bad is crappy, crappy playing and bad fundamentals, right? So like a lot of times you could have somebody that's writing great harmonies, but, but members of your group are blowing so poorly or you're not able to get the group well in tune. So you can't actually reap the benefits of your creativity. See, it's all sort of related, right? It's like good fundamentals are also a prerequisite to being able to be too successful with harmony and stuff. But the amazing thing about um, the Oren Moore pipe band, which I was a member of before and after I played with SFU, um, that was a high-level group that was interested in experimenting. Um, there was a guy named Jackson Galloway uh, who doesn't doesn't play in the scene too much anymore, but he was uh, one of the guys that opened me up to applying basic music theory to bagpipes and how well it works. So I sort of got maybe my my start with Jackson, and then uh, and then I started to study music more closely, and then I sort of was able to develop and experiment with cool things that you could do um, with the very best pipe section in the world. So it's pretty cool. I mean, and it's, and it's, what's, what's really interesting is that these ideas are not new. Like they've been studied and restudied and examined for hundreds of years. You know, there's like a whole, whole body of research and experimentation and application that exists that, you know, bagpipers have never even touched on or just starting to really, or just scratching the surface of, you know. It's not really, um, it, it's, so it's, it's been proven. All this stuff is proven. It, it works. It's out there in the world, and all you have to do is listen for it. And, you know, applying it to bagpipes just seems new because no one's really ever done it to any kind of extent before. Yeah, absolutely. Robert says, I'm having trouble. I'm trying to imagine Haye in the being of Scott and the Brave and not getting it. Well, um, going back to Scott and the Brave, right? I kind of agree. I don't think I'd start on high A either, but it is an option. Uh, but here's an example, right? I could play something like this. Uh, um, let's see. I don't know. Like I could play something like that, and that sounds kind of like a bagpipe tune, right? And I'm just improvising there based on Scott and the Brave. Um, I just wing that. But that's an example of a harmony that kind of sounds like a tune, right? And the interesting thing is, Robert, if, if someone else was playing Scott and the Brave underneath that, it would harmonize perfectly, or at least pretty damn close. Um, you know, and uh, it's interesting the two best people in the world, there's, there's two and maybe three. Um, Stuart Little, Alan Tully, and um, there's a guy named Bernard Buhadana from, uh, I think he's from Den Denmark. Um, and those guys can improvise harmonies on the fly, like nothing I've ever seen. I've always been so jealous of them because it's so cool. But they, have, they must somehow have a background in quickly identifying what chords and chord progressions tunes use. Um, and they and just then, trust and it, you know, they, just, they just trust that knowledge that, and that system, and they, they just, just know well, they just do it. <laughs> yeah. They're able they to they're able to turn that into yeah they're able to turn that into an instinctual feeling, mm -hmm. um, and then they're able to just rock and roll. It's very very cool. Could I do the harmony again? Uh, I don't think so. I'll probably I'll screw it up the second time. That's why I don't want to do it again. I got lucky the first time. And a tune like Scott and the Brave is like, you know, it's pretty ubiquitous and brass bands play this tune and they play, they layer in all kinds of different instrument parts and, and you can't do that unless you have this, this knowledge and, you know, and it's, 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 it happens. So it's there. <laughs> it's not like it's impossible to do, you know? Yeah. Um, the names are Stuart Little and then Alan Tully, who I think is a pipe major of St. Lawrence O'Toole now, right? Mm -hmm. Alan Tully. And then, um, Bernard Buhadana, uh, who actually, um, you know, these would be perfect examples of people I, I want to get in my Facebook group to help yeah, out yeah. too. Totally. Like, you know, and if you ever get the chance to see like Stuart or Alan both jam, you know, together, it's yeah. like it's a out rare of world. treat. <laughs> right.
Well, okay, so Siri says, would you use drum rhythms as part of the consideration for laying harmony for a band? Well, first of all, snare drums, okay, snare drums are non-pitched instruments. They're non-pitched. So snare drums do not actually play a pitch. Although, I mean, if you get into like deep, deep and meaningful snare drum analysis, you can say that, um, that some drummers are like trying to play notes and stuff. And that's over my head. Maybe that exists. I don't know. But for the most part, right, the snare drum produces a broadband sound. And what that means is there's no harmonics involved. It's just like a, it's like a certain type, a certain texture of sound that sort of contains most frequencies. Yeah, they're always tuning and tightening, and that's, that's just to adjust the color. And there is like some sort of pitch that will come off the head, right? Some sort of overtone and ring. Uh, and it's those things that they're tuning. Yeah, uh, basically all a snare drum is trying to do is to get the sharpest possible pitch. And uh, sorry for any real serious snare drummers out there. But that's basically what's going on. However, the midsection, the bass drum and the tenor drums can absolutely be set to certain pitches. And you can absolutely um, select what drum should be played at a given moment in a pup tune based on what the chord progression of the tune is. Mm -hmm. And that's what trend-setting bands are doing. All of the grade one bands are trying to do that now. Some more the, successfully the than others. The baggage, you know, the Breton baggage, that's, that's their thing. That's what they do. You know, they have percussion sections that have all of that going on. Um, mm -hmm. Traditional snares along with, you know, variously pitched tenors and basses that uh, all come in when they need to, you know. Yeah, it's probably fair to say it's almost definitely fair to say the Baghdad groups are um, way further advanced than um, our, our style of pipe banding. Uh, but our, our style gets a little bit closer every year and gets a little bit better, a little bit more interesting. I think what Field Marshal Montgomery is doing with the midsection is very interesting. Um, the naysayers say it's too busy. I think um, I think what they're verging on is really really cool, especially their performance in 2013. Yeah, I mean it's it's all about pushing the the outer limits of what's possible, right? I mean at, at some point you might say that you know you'll get there, you know, but um you know until we're there it's it's, it's fun to hear <laughs> everybody trying, you know. But the same skills that you need to quote, harmonize with uh, other instruments or with other bagpipers, it's the exact same skill set you should use with the midsection. With one possible additional consideration, which is that the midsection plays very, very low on the pitch spectrum. Um, and so it's one thing is it's very important not to play more than one drum at a time when, when you're playing on instruments or when you're playing notes that are that low in the register because it causes the sound to get muddy. So a lot of times groups are making the mistake of playing more than one drum at once. And so instead of hearing nice uh, harmonic um, percussive events, you start to hear just muddiness. Because even though technically A and E harmonize nicely together, uh, playing them both at the same time just produces mud. It's the same with the left hand on the piano, right? You don't play complex chords with notes close to each other um, as a general rule on the piano. Of course, that rule can be broken, but... Yeah. Well, and then rhythmic grooves and polyrhythm and different play and stuff like that is not technically related to t the tonality or the tonal harmony, um, but it's absolutely something to think about. We're going to talk about that later in, in our course. Uh, we're going to talk about rhythmic complexity, probably towards the end of the harmony section. Yeah. But there you go. So uh, any last questions before we wrap it up? I hope maybe I've piqued some people's interest in some basic music theory. And uh, who knows, maybe a few of you would like to study with our composition club. Um, this is the link that we need. Very cool. So what do you think? What do you say, Vanna? Are you going to sign up or what? No, I think I might sign up. I think I might sign up. I, I like the I like the club aspect. I like the community aspect, and definitely, the material is you know worth knowing. 
especially in depth, especially for composition. I think it's something everybody should try their hand at some point, you know. It's just so fun. It takes bagpiping from being something that you do, uh, that you just do, to, to something where you can really create. Mm -hmm. it's, it's reading versus actually writing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and uh, so Siri, no, there will not be any Pbrock composition. We talk about Pbrock occasionally, uh, but uh, yeah. I don't see why you couldn't try your own hand at it after the course, I would imagine. Yeah, it's not something I'm very interested in. Pbrock composition is frowned upon in the world of Pbrock. And so it would not Jesus, be worth my... That's so disappointing, yeah. I know. Well, I mean, in, you can only compose Pbrock if you're a famous Pbrock player. Exactly. That's the only... You're, uh, if you try to compose Pbrock, but you're not a famous Pbrock player, it's you, you, sh you put in the corner. Yep, Exactly. And by the way, uh, that shouldn't be true, but it is, and so it just annoys me, so I, I don't really spend much time with Pbrock composition. Julia's not sure she's smart enough. No nonsense. Well, that's what the course is about, trying to get you to understand more, so you, won't, you will be smart enough. <laughs> that's what about learning well, is all about. You know? Here's what I would say. If, you're not, if, you, if you don't think you're smart enough, by the end of the first month, you know, we'll give you your money back. 30-day guarantee. 30-day money-back guarantee. Look, Nate, you'll never get sideways looks anymore. Sometimes you might get sideways looks because your harmonies aren't good. But when, your harmonies, when your harmonies are good, though, and you can prove it, and they're following the chord progression sweetly, people yeah. are going to look at you. you got to stick to your out. guns because a lot of times you're going to be encountering people who are sticking to those old rules that they grew up with learning, you know, and uh, they don't understand. Ashby, great question. After the six months, you're, you, uh, you retain access to all the materials forever and ever. So once, once, you're, uh, once you're in the club and you've completed it, um, you, know, you get everything. And of course, we'll be updating it over the years. And so as a member, you'll get all those updates too. Just in, in, in party, you know, it's like one of the things that I think that everybody sort of gets a, you know, sort of loses sight of is the fact that once you understand, you know, all of this stuff and you write something that, you know, it follows, follows these basic principles and these fundamentals, not everybody's going to like it and it's not a bad thing. Right. You know, but, but as long as it's, it's, you know, it's not something so wacky that it breaks all the rules and you're trying to do something avant-garde or something. I mean, it's, if you're following the system and you, you know, it's understandable, it still could be liked by a lot of people, but maybe not everybody. And that doesn't Nine make it bad. Out of ten. As a person who's created a lot of music, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you that nine out of ten people don't like your tune that you wrote because they're jealous that they couldn't do it themselves. Right? <laughs> and, then, and then one out of ten times they don't like it because they actually know that it's not good and that you, you sort of violated some basic considerations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and like, we, live in a, we live in a bagpipe world where everybody thinks that, you know, it's, if it's good, everybody has to like it. You know, we, all, we have to like it. We're forced to like it. If this is, this is good, we're supposed to think it's good and like it. But it's not true, you know. There's a lot of bagpiping out there that I don't necessarily like, but I can recognize it as something competent and, you know, noteworthy, but it just doesn't feel to me, you know. Yeah. Uh, Joanne says, after six months, are you going to repeat the club? Yeah, the club sort of goes on indefinitely. So you can actually sign up for the club anytime. And uh, the material is already ready. We're just going to release it to you each, each month. We're going to release the next module to you. Um, and, so, and then once the six months is over, if you've gone through all the six months, you're going to have access to all that material forever. So you can come back and brush up on it anytime that you want. Um, that's kind of how it works. It's a new format, right? I didn't want. I don't want to just release all of it at once, uh, because I think that the price would be too high for all the material that we've done, and I also think that um, learning it piece by piece is important because you can't just skip ahead to writing harmonies without learning the first month. It's just not going to work. So uh, that's that's where our format comes in. 
All of the information is in the link. So it, it, like everything you need to know about how it's going to work, how much it's going to cost. Um, I'm not actually going to tell you in, the, in this podcast how much it is because um, if the price ever changes in the future, like goes up, um, then this podcast would no longer be valid, right? So you can check out that link there. Figure out everything you need to know. Cool. Is there, is there going to be and, fun, uh, there's a finale tutorial in that? I saw a glimpse of a, a finale sort of oriented lesson in there in month two or something like that. Well, uh, yeah, the bonus is I, I give a tour of Finale software because it's the software that I use to write out all the music. And I also give a tour of my multi-tracking audio software that I use to t field test all of my arrangements uh, because those are the two key tools that I use all the time uh, to create things and to test them to make sure they sound good. Um, and I also, when I write music for other people or for the band, it's also how I publish that in a way that's easily readable with musical examples. Mm -hmm. cool. So Ashby, yeah, um, if people join the Facebook group, they can ask questions all the time, and I'm always on that, and I'll be answering questions and, and stuff like that. So um, that's what the Facebook group is for. Plus, you could always contact us and ask questions if you need to. And then Siri brings up a great point, which is if you're interested in this course um, and you run a, and you operate a band or you work with a band, uh, the band should absolutely invest in this. It would be the smartest thing your band could possibly do uh, because it's just a great place. I mean, even if you already know how to write decent harmonies, you, sh you should still invest in this course, uh, learn everything that I've learned over the years, and plus interact with us on a personal level so we can work together, develop harmonies, get the medley to be constructed better and better. Um, and then even if you're not a pipe major or a pipe sergeant, you should talk to your pipe major or pipe sergeant and say, hey, I'd like to do this course, and I, you know, hopefully I can become the resident harmony writer for the band. That's, a, that's an investment that should be definitely made. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I wanna get, I wanna get some of the guys in our band to, take the, to join the club so that we can have um, more people on the same page. Yeah. Mike says your wife uses Finale. Finale is great software. It's tricky to write bagpipe music in Finale, but I've learned what I think is the best method, and I, dem I dem demonstrate that in the course. That's cool. Right, yeah. One person, one person um, per purchase, yeah. If several people wanted to purchase the course, we could do like a lower price deal, Tony, if there are more than one uh, person. But yeah, it's an individual composition club. Yeah, I was just talking to um, a client of mine who I usually write harmonies for. I'm actually gonna document the process of me writing harmonies um, and just get that all recorded for people to be able to learn from. And that's a perfect example of how the Composition Club is actually gonna grow and change over time. And anybody who's a member of the club, uh, you know, even if you stop paying three years ago, right? Whenever I add new material, you're gonna get access to that. Mm -hmm. Ashby says, why do I not use something designed for scoring bagpipe music? Well, uh, the bagpipe scoring software is all, you know, all the different software have major limitations. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Finale has limitations too. Uh, the biggest one is just um, the playback isn't that great. Um, but, it's, but, it's, but it's format is encoded so you can actually bring it into other software packages, isn't it? Where you can actually then... Yeah, I mean, for me, the reason I use Finale is that um, Finale allows me to do anything I could ever imagine I wanted to do in my wildest dreams. I could notate that. Right wow. and 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 bagpipe music scoring software doesn't do that. Although there are some really good ones now, I won't say that they're not good. Like, um, what's the one the Big Beans guy? Um, <laughs> it's like something Big Beans Company. Yeah, I definitely do not use bagpipe music writer when it comes to arranging 
in writing harmonies because I you use, can't I do use, more than yeah. I use Celtic, Celtic pipes. Celtic pipes yeah. is the one that I use. That's the one that's yeah. for Mac. I think that's the baked beans guy. Is it? Oh, is it really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Celtic pipes is definitely a very good, definitely a very good option. Certainly less expensive than Finale. But if I wanted to write for bagpipe uh, and guitar and violin and sousaphone, right. um, Celtic Pipes is not going to be able to do that for me. At least not that I'm aware of. No, I, you, you can, I think you can, it's a very good program. for. It's like a mid-level music setting program, I would probably say. You, know? you can do a little bit more than your basic stuff, but not as much as an advanced thing. I think Celtic Pipes has a good playback. Yeah, so. it's, it sounds a lot, you know, like, like a bagpipe. Got a small pipe option and, and a whistle option. And then, can you write snare drum music on Celtic Pipes now too? Mm -hmm. You can do that. Yeah, best, so it sounds like. Is, yeah, the best part is it imports other formats, so you can import bagpipe music writer stuff and and reset it, you know, in Celtic Pipes, you know, stuff like that. Awesome. Okay, guys, we're 10 minutes over. We'll see you next week. But please sign up for the club. And, um, you know, there's a 30-day guarantee. So if you invest and you're like, crap, this isn't for me, just let us know. Give me my back. No big deal. But we want to get we want to get budding bagpipe minds like you guys in the session. Cool beans. Um, it's not cheap, but if you think about it, your return on investment is going to be way more than what you invest. I don't, don't so, know. Start talking about cheap. You know how many how much a set of drone reads costs? You know how many pipe how much a pipe bag costs? Yeah. I know exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Well, and do you know how much fun it is to win? Exactly. Uh, because your bagpipes, <laughs> because your pipe band sounds awesome. Exactly. Yes. We're playing good music and it's fun. On that note, we'll see everybody later. All right. Have a good day, everyone. You're welcome, guys. Oh, here's the link one more time. Link. <laughs>